Hello and welcome to Luke's Home C2C League. We are still under construction with the name. I am Luke Probasco. Jacob Belleville. And we have a guest of honor with us, a co-founder of Campus to Canton and the co-host of the Campus to Canton podcast. He goes by the name of Colin Decker at C2C Decker on Twitter. Also, um, at and in his home leagues, is known as Austin's Daddy. Um, Colin Decker's here with us. Welcome, Colin. Hey, thanks, Luke. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me on here, guys. I'm excited. Yeah, we are excited to have you. Um, let's get into some quick hitters. We're, today we're doing Keishon Boutte and Quentin Johnston. So, Keishon Boutte is a six foot 205 wide receiver out of LSU. He's got a weighted dominator rating of 18% this last year and then 22 um the year before and last year he had 42 receptions 688 yards receiving on five touchdowns or that was sorry that was two years ago and then last year he had 38 receptions 509 and nine through like five or six games before he got hurt so he was on his way to a monster season I think the first couple of games, his like dominator, his dominator rating was like up in the seventy percent range. Like he was the entire offense. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but he played a little bit in. He was a freshman in 2020, right? And played quite a, you know, played pretty well. Does it, you guys have anything you want to add to to Keishon Boutte, who's like a consensus, you know, injured or not injured? He's like a top. Two, three wide receiver in this in this draft. I know his freshman year he really popped off once uh, Terrace Marshall went down, but um, that's kind of where he like emerged. Then he continued that into the next season, but then got hurt again. So yeah, and I mean when when he's healthy, he's one of the best receivers we've seen come along in a long time. I mean, you know, you had Jamar Chase on there coming before him, so you know people are going to want to compare him to that. Uh, Boutte to Chase, not that they're good stylistically, but just in terms of the seasons that they had and the domination that they showed while at LSU. Uh, but, you know, the foot injury kind of derails that a little bit, so, you know, some people are a little scared off by that. But, man, I mean, I, I think a healthy Keishon Boutte is the best receiver in this class by a good bit, in my opinion. And I know, that, you know, you got to see it on the field, but I've been talking to a beat reporter down at LSU, and he says Boutet's fine, he's going to play, he's going to do all this. It's better than, yeah, he's not playing. He doesn't like Chip, or Chip, or is it uh, Kelly, Brian. Brian Kelly. Doesn't like him, not going to play with him. Like So I guess it's the best that you can hope for, and just, you know, he gets on the field. One thing that Kelly does really well is his wide receivers set t- tend to test well in the combine so i don't know if that's something you know a product of him type thing but they all they all seem to test really well so hopefully that's one thing that translates yeah i think that'll translate with Boutte. Um, and i mean K- uh, kelly's systems tend to focus on one wide receiver so Boutte's out there you can kind of expect more of the same dominance, I think, this year. You know, he's he could challenge for the Bolitnikov. He can challenge for the wide receiver one in the you know, CFF side. And then you get that likely first round uh, NFL draft capital, too, there. Again, assuming health. Yep. I do think he does share a lot in common with Jamar Chase in terms of, like, the yak ability. 
Um, I do think he's a little bit more of a finesse player. So it's kind of like a cross. For me, it's like a cross between Stefan Diggs and like Curtis Samuel at Ohio State. I don't know, yeah. That's kind of where I landed with him. Yeah, I mean, he can play all of the wide receiver positions, inside, outside. He can take the top off the defense. He can play underneath. He's got that yak game. I mean, he's one of the most complete receivers I've seen in a while. All right, Jake, if you want to tell us about Quentin Johnston. Yeah, so Quentin Johnston currently listed at 6'4", 212 at TCU, um, so big guy. He also has a lot of yak ability, which a lot, a lot of times, sometimes big guys just don't have that just because they don't have that stop-start kind of ability. Um but his A dot, I believe, was like twenty point two for his career. So he's he's a downfield threat. Um, and couple that with the yak ability, you could see him potentially having this. You know, being a superstar in the NFL. Um, you know, if he can get up into that twenty two twenty pound range, you know, his range of outcomes size wise kind of turns into Michael Thomas. You know, your T Higgins, your AJ Greens. Um, so it really just depends. But if he's closer to that 200-pound range, then you start getting some guys that you might not necessarily want, like Denzel Mims, um, things like that. But, but is it Denzel Mims with uh, seafood or without seafood? <laughs> I mean, have we seen a difference? <laughs> so, but, hey, he's, he's available on my roster. So. And still no one's come after him? I can't believe it. Okay, well... Shit. I'm sure Nate, the the Jets of our of our league, will come get him. I just need I just need one huge game so I can cut bait in like four different leagues. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ha- he he's just in like when I watch his stuff, he's just like inconsistent with his routes. Like he does it, and you're like, oh, like he, he's showing his potential, and then like then he's really lazy or. He does a pretty good job with like the hand fighting at, at you know at the line and, and getting to where he needs to get to, but like you know just when he's not getting the ball, he's lazy. Which I mean, I didn't play football, so like, eh, I don't blame like I don't blame you. But then like sometimes you know he he rounds them off and rounds off when some I of those routes. I've been watching him just from me watching him, and I guess it's subjective, but he reminds me a lot of Devontae Parker, but with the yak ability. So I mean. There's that, and like Devontae Parker's had his struggles, but at the same time, he's produced a thousand yard season in the NFL. So, yep. there's talent there. Yeah, I like that. I so with QJ, I see a lot of Martavis Bryant in him. Um, big guy, you know, a little bit more on the lean side, um, but great athlete. And Martavis Bryant put up some big numbers there until you know he had some off the field stuff. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think I think QJ has a has a really high ceiling. And it's going to be the same thing, I think, going into dynasty leagues and stuff next year. Hopefully he gets second-round draft capital, and then it's, well, he's a big 12 wide receiver, and that's probably just going to dominate most of, like, it doesn't matter how good or bad he is. Hey, he's a big 12 wide receiver, so people are going to probably look down on him, and I think you could get steals in, like, dynasty leagues and stuff going forward. But... All right, on to some NCAA news. We got uh, Jaden Rashada. He commits to the University of Miami. And word on the street is he turned down $11 million from the University of Florida to go to the University of Miami for $9.5 million. He says on 
his uh, post on Twitter that it's not about the money. He's, what is it, like, I've never made a decision based on money or something like that. I don't know. I've got a job. I kind of base it off of money. Same. How many $1.5 million swings in money in decisions has he had to make in his life? This might be the only one. I don't know. Right. So, but, you know, I think Miami's trying to be, you know, come back. And, and be like kind of like what Texas is doing right now. So they they signed Jonte Cook, who's a five star in the. He is a composite uh, wide receiver seven. So if you guys aren't aware of composites, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle. Uh, Colin, this is on three, twenty four seven, ESPN, and then there's another one. Rivals. Rivals. Uh, so, yeah, so the composite on 24-7 weights 24-7s a little bit higher. The composite on on three weights all four services equally. All right. I, I thought I heard somewhere that maybe 24-7 has since changed and now weighs everything the same. I'm not sure. But either way, know, guys real high. they just added on three this year. Okay. Maybe that's what it was. So he is like a composite across all those sites. Um, he is a composite wide receiver seven, and on twenty four seven he's their wide receiver. Um, or sorry about that. Uh, on he's wide receiver nine for me personally in my twenty twenty three ranking. So high up there, um, good get for Texas. Nobody kind of saw this coming today. It just kind of happened. So is. Is this the Archie, Arch Manning effect coming into play quickly? And they're now starting to rack up five stars left and right. And is Texas back? Is it Texas and Ohio State that, you know, in the recruiting classes that are mano a mano? Like, no one's talking about Alabama right now. It's just amazing. Yeah, honestly, that's really surprising throughout this cycle so far is that Alabama um, and even Texas A&M to a certain extent, too, with all the money they just threw out, they've both been quiet. They didn't buy any recruits, Colin. (laughs) You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I misspoke. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. Um, But, yeah, no, this is absolutely the Arch Manning effect. I mean, as soon as he signed with Texas, uh, which, you know, people kind of saw the tea leaves leaning that way, so I'm sure Texas had been – lining some of these other guys up but then once that first domino fell you know you're seeing five-star linemen commit there you see defensive players commit there Jonte Cook just goes there you know they're everybody wants to go play with Arch so yeah this is absolutely the Arch Manning fact I mean, he's he's more celebrity than he is recruited at this point and you guys since this is a podcast you couldn't see it but when I said is Texas back Jacob chuckled pretty pretty hard Jacob, what do you have to say about the 500-level Texas team? Uh, they are probably going to be back, but I don't think it's going to be this next year. Yeah, it'll it'll, it'll probably take you know yeah two three years because well, hopefully they're, they're hopefully they're not playing my Cyclones by the time they're back. Yeah, <laughs> so you know, and part of it's like, hey, we're going to the SEC, like we need to be better, and I think we talked about it on Sunday, like Starkeesian. If Quinn were to not do well this year and he's on the hot seat, he bought himself plenty of time with with these recruits. So, I do think Jonte Cook reminded me a lot of Isaiah Bond. 
like just watching his tape, I mean, just very bursty and like straight line speed. Yeah, uber athlete for sure. Yep. And those of you who aren't aware, Isaiah Bond, freshman at Alabama. Um, another commit was Nathaniel Joseph. He flipped from Clemson to Miami, and he is a five star on twenty or a four star on twenty four seven wide receiver sixteen and my wide receiver twenty three. He is a little guy, but he's explosive. He's dynamic, like I don't know, Hunt, Hunter Renfro esque with like kind of some of his routes and and whatnot. So I mean, at least that's you know the lazy comp that I had with Clemson. It's like oh they kind of got like a Renfro guy, a small guy who can do all these things, and now going over to the U. He almost res- reminds me a little bit of like some of these smaller running backs in the 2022 class. I mean, he's so quick to reach top speed. I don't know if his top speed is, like, all that great, but he's so quick to get there that it almost doesn't matter. Yeah, definitely a bursty guy. I mean, I think this is a great idea for him to go to Miami instead of Clemson. I mean, Clemson just kind of brought in Antonio Williams um, in this class, the wide receiver there. I think that's probably the future of the slot for Clemson. Um, you know, I liked Antonio Williams a lot. So I think Nathaniel Joseph to go to the U, a school that, you know, all spring reports have been, they've been struggling at wide receiver. Nobody can really catch the ball. They didn't bring in anybody in this class. Uh, so for them to go out and get, you know, a top 20 wide receiver, get a pretty high four-star guy, uh, you know, I think that was a great get on their part. And then Joseph follows Rashada. He's got a quarterback of the future there too. All right. Um, Last Sunday when we dropped, we we talked about Demarcus Bowman entering the transfer portal. He's now found a home at uh, UCF. So, Dennis, you have a running back who's got a home. So, um, Kentucky, they bring in Ramon Jefferson. He was a 1,000-plus yard rusher and 13 touchdowns. I'm trying to remember where he came from. Uh Sam Houston, Sam Houston, Um, and then they also brought in D Beckwith, who is from a monster from Tennessee, six five two thirty, and he's going to play running back. He had some carries, but I think he played defensive end, you know, for the most part in Tennessee, and obviously doesn't want to play defense. Um, I I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen a six five running back. So. That's that's massive. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think it really means much except for Chris Rodriguez on Tweets Team. You know, rumblings were you know he had court dates that he missed, but then there was some excuse time, and I I think this means he misses half the season at least, if not the whole season. Um, so just kind of rough for Kentucky. They're just trying to get anybody. They're bringing in defensive ends to play running back. So, we're going to see what Will Levis is, is made of, and maybe Chris Rodriguez made made a poor decision with coming back um, and not trying to go to the draft. I mean, some would say it's the DUI that was a poor decision, not so much coming back, but, you know, whichever. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky had a, a pretty shallow RB room, too, so... 
you know, getting some depth was nice. But yeah, I think the fact that they went out and brought two guys in, I think we're probably going to see a suspension for Chris Rodriguez at least. I would say at least two games. It wouldn't, you know, anything less than that would probably surprise me at this point. Um, so. Tweet, your NFL woes of wide receivers are now leaking into your NCAA running back woes. So, uh, Jacob, I know you've got a lot of problem childs, ch- children on your team. Is there anybody you want to give um, tweet? Um, I mean, at a decent price. I think the last one that I've got, well, depending on how you want to go about it, the last real problem child I have, I feel, is Demont Demas. So, if you would like him. Yep, still still in the portal. Real good character guy. Would really help out that team tweet. Don't um, worry about that. He does really good backflips. <laughs> All right. Uh, Big 12. We got a lot of Iowa State fans here. They are targeting Brett Yermark as its next commissioner, the CEO of Rock Nation. I don't have much more than that. Um, do you guys have any, any more? I like it just because it's out of the box. I mean, I think the Big 12 is going to need to do those types of things and take those types of risks uh, to stay relevant in the future. So, you know, I was glad that, you know, Cincinnati and Houston, and they're all joining early in 2023 before hopefully Texas and Oklahoma leave. So it's kind of lining up to be as good as it can get, I guess. But, yeah, I like, you know, taking a different tactic, I guess. Yeah, I think Jacob nailed that. Honestly, I mean, it's kind of it was kind of turning into a big four, you know, especially with uh, Lincoln Riley heading out to USC and the and the Pac-12. You, know, you got to assume that he's going to help to reestablish not only USC, which you know, and that'll give some legitimacy to the Pac-12 as well. But then the Big Twelve losing its two, you know, biggest names, and the way everything went down too, they just kind of needed a reset button. Um, so I think. Outside the box, bringing in, you know, somebody from Rock Nation, which it's, it's more, it's an entertainment company. So, you know, I'm sure he's got some connections in TV industries, maybe get them a better TV deal than what they had. Uh, yeah, I, even, I think this even is like hype videos and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> anything that'll get people excited. Yeah. I mean, because we're like, I, I could see a scenario where there is a power, it's power four conference football, not power five. Yeah, I mean, the Big 12 is trending in the wrong direction. Uh, you know, Cincinnati-Houston, two good gets for teams as far as, you know, what was out there. But they got to do something, got to shake something up. So, I, yeah, I think this is a good idea. All right. And then in 2023, the ACC is getting rid of divisions. I believe they are the third team. You got the Pac-12. You got now the ACC and... Trying to remember another division they got is going to get rid of them, um, but they are moving to the three-three-five model. We talked about it a few podcasts ago, but we have our three primary opponents, and then the other ten teams you will play in the league two times during your four years, where you have one home and one away. So that's how that's shaping up, and the top two teams uh, will go to the conference championship. Will be by the conference winning percentage. So. Only a matter of time, which is unfortunate for my Hawkeyes because that's going to be a lot of just Ohio State and Michigan. and I, guess, I mean, it kind of 
goes back and forth, but like those Ohio State Northwestern Big Ten championship games weren't that great. Um, Michigan Iowa not that great. The only one I really enjoyed, except for the outcome, was the Michigan State Iowa game. Like that was a pretty good one for a majority of the game. But I think this makes you know the Big Ten championship a little bit more interesting to watch because they'll be two comparable teams. I think. So unfortunately for the West, they're kind of kind of going downhill. So yeah, I mean the East was loaded, you know. Yeah. You kind of had to balance that out somehow. So hopefully, Penn, and then we'll see what Penn State can do. They got a whole bunch of good recruits: Nicholas Singleton, um, Drew Aller, kind of their their future, and see if they can rise to stardom again. <coughs> So the only real NFL news that we had was Terry McLaurin got paid, which is good. He's a good player. So um, he's staying in Washington. $3 million, no, $71 million three years. Yep. I believe. Yep. And so. he's got 53 guaranteed. So I believe that is a top seven wide receiver contract as we sit now. So now it's just a sitting game, sit and wait game on DK Metcalf. And how rich is that dude going to be? And hopefully, hopefully he he gets gets that done before the year and, and can play. And we'll see if Baker Mayfield goes ends up going to um, Seattle or if he ends up going to Carolina. But I definitely, as a DK Metcalf owner in this league, I definitely want to see a different quarterback. Like talent is great; he can produce with anybody. But I'd like just a better quarterback to help me out. So, or he gets traded. That would be fine too. Go anywhere. I don't know if Seattle's the team to pay for him because I don't know if their roster's in a position to like overpay a wide receiver. I mean, okay, we're still going to win the same amount of games, probably. Yeah. So, I don't know. A lot of and things. How that, much? How long does Pete Carroll have left? You know, I mean, he's already the oldest coach in the league. He's like what seventy almost. Yep. Yeah. So, how much longer does he have left? You're going to be starting completely over with new coach and quarterback. And he wants to run the ball. Yeah. So. Well, there's a lot of things that Seattle does that's just, you know, Super Bowl, pass it instead of run it. You know, a lot of, a lot of questionable things are done in Seattle. So, is that all the news we got on the NFL side there, Jacob? Yeah, pretty much. We talked about Deshaun Watson last time, so. All right. So now gets into the meat of our uh, podcast. Colin is gonna take a look at our supplemental draft guys and see who's available and talk about them more from a Devi aspect. So we had Brandon on a few podcasts ago. He broke down the same guys and who he was excited about from just a CFF standpoint and how you could build your roster, draft your guys. Uh, and then Colin, just so you know, he kind of gave a couple guys of like, hey, 10-team league, this is probably roughly where I might take so-and-so. Like, um, just kind of giving the, the guys a, a good idea because that's something that's really hard um, in C2C leagues is ADPs. To my knowledge, they – I'll let you do your plug here, Colin. They, they're in one place – at a certain website, what where can I find that ADP information? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Uh, yeah, there's this there's this little site out there called campus to Um They we do have the uh, 
ADP over there. We've been building it now for uh, going on the second year here. Uh, we conduct mock drafts just in the community, and then we compile all that ADP. But then we only go, I mean, for startups, you know, we only go 20 rounds because, um, you know, anything beyond that, it's a lot of, you know, go get your guy kind of a thing. And, you know, even in, in startup or in uh, supplementals, it's, it's kind of along the same lines. Once you get past round, you know, five, six-ish, you know, you, the ADPs are going to vary. So you you kind of have to just go get your guy at that point. So, you know, we do a couple supplementals in the, in the off season here to kind of get a gauge for things. But... Yeah, it's it's tough to tough to gauge ADP after a certain point. So, and then you got a g- bunch of guys here who we're in our second year and we're trying to do our best. So it's like, hey, I can wait on this guy, and he goes like first round. It's like, oh, okay, well, guess I can't wait on this guy. So, but awesome stuff that you guys are doing there at C2C. If I want to join the website or like join that community, what what do I have to do? Yeah, uh, so you know, um, you can sign up there. We have a couple different tier memberships. Uh, lowest one is a walk, we call it the walk on monthly two ninety nine a month. You know, you'll get access to rankings. Um, you'll get access to some EDP. You get access to a little bit of everything. Um, you know, and then we have you know, yearly plans there too. So you, if you want to sign up for the full year, walk on level twenty nine ninety nine a year. So you save a little bit there instead of paying every month. Um, and then up with a couple other tiers up. We got the scholarship tier, forty nine ninety nine a year, four ninety nine a month. Get a little bit more on that, and then top tier NIL, um, seven ninety nine or seventy nine ninety nine a year. At that top tier too, you get all three of the uh, draft guides that we have too. So we have a freshman supplemental draft guide that's still on sale at the site for twenty dollars. Uh, we have a Devi guide and a, we have a CFF guide releasing here uh, on July fourth. NIL tier, you'll get all three of those together. They're $20 separately. All right, awesome. So, guys, if you want to check this out, um, go to that site. Real cheap, $2.99 a month if you want to just, you know, get a taste of it. So, all right. Well, let's dive in. Colin, you're able to look at some of the guys available in our supplementals. Tell us about them. Yeah, I um, appreciate you sending me the list too. Uh, you uh, got? I'll give a shout out to Ian Rinker. So thanks, Ian, for putting that that list together. Appreciate you, Ian. Uh, yeah, I mean the quarterback position. We'll start there. You got a couple guys at the top that are pretty solid. You know, you got Quinn Ewers, who pretty much available in most leagues. You know, since he reclassified, I know a lot of a lot of leagues pushed him off of year. So that's that's a top four QB for me. Um, I believe I have him ranked three, you know, just ahead of Caleb Williams. So, you know, this is the type of guy who he's going to put up a lot of numbers in college. He should be an early draft pick. You know, we're looking at, we're talking, you know, top half of the first round, maybe even top five when he comes out. Uh, so that's a slam dunk pick, you know, but then even beyond that, you got your Tyler Van Dyke, uh, Cameron Ward, Devin Leary, three guys who are, are very intriguing for the class of 2023. You know, the class of 2023 is looking for a third guy, and those are three guys who could be it. I got so I've got two questions. Quinnewers, should I be nervous? I've got pick 101. Guys, I'm planning on going Quinn, but should I be nervous about Arch Manning? No, I don't think so. So, Arch Manning, like I said, a little bit more celebrity right now um, than he is an actual recruit. So, his as a recruit, 
he does have a perfect score from 24-7, uh, a 1.0, a five-star kid. I don't think he's actually even the best quarterback in his class. I like Malachi Nelson a lot. I think his ranking is boosted a little bit by his name. Now, that doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback. You know, he's got a lot of traits that you're looking for. He's very polished. But I don't think he's a threat to Quinn Ewers. Uh, Quinn Ewers is going to start this year for sure. Arch won't be on campus until 2023. Arch will be a freshman. It's hard for any freshman to come in and unseat a, uh, a an incumbent, let alone an incumbent who was also a perfect score as a recruit. So, no, I'm not too worried about uh, Arch Manning coming in and, and usurping Quinn Ewers in year one. Quinn Ewers would have to absolutely fall on his face. Suck it, tweet. <laughs> D- heated, heated conversation in the Discord. I was practically raked on the coals, thrown out of the league. For my takes, Mark Jacob, you're Rich. shaking your head. No, you you were there. You were just feeding the I fire. Was there. I think I think the crazy part was just the certainty with which you were saying everything, and it ruffled feathers. Because at the end of the day, it's two five star recruits, highly recruited players. Like anything could happen, but you're like, nope. 100%. <laughs> Am I talking myself into Quinnours at 101 and making myself feel good? No, that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> you followed it up with like five other takes. Like Quinn Ewers will early declare, Caleb Williams will early declare, and then the guy behind him is gonna sit for a year, and then he's gonna start. And I'm just like, okay, now we have like these six hot, like not hot takes, but if you combine them all, that's a big parlay. I mean, <laughs> I. I need to take a screenshot of it so that when it happens, I can just, you know... Save the receipts. Let everybody know, like, hey. And then I can say, suck it, tweet, again. <laughs> It'll be even better. I'm wrong. I don't care. Suck it, tweet. <laughs> All right. And then uh, the other quarterback that I want to talk about is Cam Ward. So he's going... From the FCS to the FBS, he's following his offensive coordinator. His head coach is now the offensive coordinator um, there at Washington State. What everyone's really high on him, especially at the Camps to Canton. And Chris Moxley has seemed to like really drive the train, and now he's driven it so high that he's like, I'm I can't buy him because I've driven his ADP up so high. What? What concerns do you have with Cameron Ward, Jacob, or or Jacob? I'll start with you and then go to Colin. I mean, obviously that he hasn't done it at the Division One level, um, but I think a lot of the same reasons that you're interested in Anthony Richardson, you're interested in Will Levis to some extent, is like the tools, and so they do have special tools. I think Cam Ward has a pretty special arm, so you're. You just get intrigued by that, and then, I mean, I, I, to me, in my mind, like the spring game did have an effect on me because he was he was very good there. Do we know about how he eats bananas? Nope, not like a psychopath. Then <laughs> he does mayo in the coffee, though. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Colin, what do, what do you what do you think about Cameron? What are you worried about Cameron Ward? Or are you like you know what I'll. If I'm wrong, I'll have him on my team, and hopefully he blows up. Yeah, I mean, Jacob touched on it perfectly. You know, just a lack of established track record. 
I mean, he went the FCS route to Incarnate Word. Now, the reason he did that was because the offensive system he came from in high school was so run heavy. I mean, I, I don't even remember exactly. It was like 10 pass attempts per game. It was very, very low. Um, so he didn't really have a lot of tape out there of him throwing the ball. So these teams weren't really all that interested. Goes to Incarnate Word, which is a system uh, that is very favorable to putting up big numbers. So he put up big numbers. And now people are starting to pay attention. They're starting to, you know, fall in love with all those traits that maybe they missed the first time around. But we do need to see it on the field first. He is going to be doing it in the Pac-12, you know, outside of Utah. And then Oregon has a really good defense every year, too. Outside of those two teams, the defense is in the Pac-12. Not exactly, uh, you know, the top caliber defenses there. So even if he does do it at that level, I think you're going to hear some people uh, still not necessarily be convinced, but top tier tools. Uh, I mean, and by all accounts, he's a, a phenomenal worker as well. So he's got a lot of traits that there is the like too, but we need to see it first. All right. Thanks. Go ahead. And I don't know if you had more quarterbacks or if you were going to go into a different, different, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a couple other quarterbacks here that are interesting. Um, Cam Rising is a guy that I think is going to uh, rise, no pun intended, up the uh, draft boards there once people start to pay attention to him. Because, you know, originally committed to Texas, and he was like a, a fairly high-end recruit. He got hurt, transfers to Utah, got hurt again. But now that he's healthy, you know, he's looked pretty good. So that's an intriguing option. And then the other guy that I wanted to highlight, too, Jalen Milrow at Alabama. A former four-star guy in the class of 2020, sitting behind Bryce Young right now. Assuming Bryce Young leaves next year, that's going to be a battle between Milrow and, Ty, and five-star Ty Simpson. You know, I think it's going to be Ty Simpson, but Milrow is very talented in his own right. Uh, he's got a dual-threat ability there, too. And if he's the starter at Alabama, that's something you want. So that's a guy that I'm probably looking at, you know, maybe in the late middle rounds there, maybe like six, seven-ish, um, after some of these other freshmen go, you know, I'm willing to take a shot on it. What are your thoughts? You, you didn't mention him, and I'm just kind of curious because I, in my 14-team league, um, I kind of thought about picking him up off the waivers was Jaron Hall out of BYU, a, a quarterback. that he, he put up some pretty good weeks last year. Yeah, he put up some great weeks last year. Um, he's got some nice tools as well. Talented quarterback. My biggest concern with Hall is the age. Um, he went on a, you know, he was on the LDL, LDS mission trips. Uh, what I think it was two years he missed. So he's a, already an advanced prospect. I don't think he's the type who's going to leave college early. Um, so he has another two years of eligibility left. So by the time he comes out, you're you're looking at somebody who's going to be like 23, 24, 24 maybe even 25. I'm not exactly sure what the birthday is. So that's probably my biggest concern with him. Um, but beyond that, I don't see the traits of a first-round quarterback. So I think he could be a guy who gets taken maybe in the second, maybe in the third, kind of a backup in the NFL. But I'm just not quite sure what that ceiling is with him. So uh, Malik Willis is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Malik Willis had traits. <laughs> Eat it, Grim. I've, I've, uh, you're new to the podcast, but I've had strong takes on Malik Willis isn't good at, at football since uh, pretty early on, and 
gave weekly updates in Twitter and like I did highlights and like I just talked like I gave highlights about good things about everybody and then like Malik Willis it was just bad like bad takes. Good find t- highlights of him this year, twenty twenty two. I I am I am now doing a weekly Malik Willis stat tracker um, going forward because uh, probably you probably don't need to start it this year. I will. <laughs> I will start it this year. And we will talk about Actually, it each it'll time. It'll be really easy to like keep the books like clean this year. I mean, zero, zero, zero. Yeah, Grim. He's not some perennial seven to ten year starter in the NFL. I just, I can't, I can't do it. You're, you say you don't drink, and I don't believe you. I mean, there's there's like one third round quarterback that has been a seven to ten year starter in the NFL, like in history. But Malik Willis breaking molds. All right. Well, th- thanks for your take there on, on Jaron Hall. He was a, kind of a guy that, you know, he, he's kind of got some buzz. I think there was ESPN. Somebody, I mean, not that ESPN. Matt Miller. Matt Miller came out, and I think he was in the first round in his little mock draft and had, like, six quarterbacks going in the in the first round. So. Yeah, these mock drafts with six quarterbacks going in the first round. I'm, I'm going to pass on, on that. Um, I think you're looking at three probably next year. I couldn't tell you who the third one is going to be. That's kind of why I was talking, you know, maybe Van Dyke, maybe Leary, uh, maybe even Ward if he really shows out, but I don't know about that. What about Anthony Richardson? Anthony Richardson has a an extremely high ceiling. Uh, you know, if he shows out this year, I could see him coming out. He would have to really, really take some steps as a passer, I think, to be a first-round uh, quarterback, just based on what we saw from Malik Willis. I think Richardson, the most likely scenario for him, uh, I think, is plays well this year, comes back. You know, Florida's looking to spend $11 million on a quarterback. You got one sitting there. You know, spend a little NIL, bring him back, let him develop another year. Then maybe I could see a first-round quarterback. I think they would be smarter if they just paid his fines for tickets for his excessive (laughs) speed. And I think that would be a perfect, perfect match. They probably—I mean—they might spend more than eleven million, but I think that's where you got to go. So, if you, just out of curiosity, if you were to buy Anthony Richardson, what would you be? What would you think you'd need to pay to get to get him? So, C two C league, I, I think, is a little bit different than a Debbie league. Um, for Richardson just because I do think he's going to have a really nice CFF year this year. Um, just the legs, you know, I think he's a threat to rush for a thousand yards on the ground this year. 800 probably more likely, but a threat for a thousand yards. So yeah. that's huge at the quarterback position. Um, so, you know, he's potentially a CFF QB one. There's some debt. There's definitely some Debbie upside there. Um, if you're talking in terms of supplemental picks, I would probably need a first for him. Um, if you're talking players, um, you depends on your roster construction, whether you want to go wide receiver, running back. But running back, probably somebody in the Kendall Milton tier of a running back. Um, wide receiver, maybe somebody in the Raheem Jarrett up to... Uh, I don't have my rankings pulled up here in front of me yet, but somebody probably in that range. So you hear that, Ian. Jacob has Rakeem Jarrett. He wants him, Anthony Richardson. 
Jacob, you also have a first round pick. And two. You have two. You have Rakeem Jarrett. I don't see how this doesn't get done. Well, I got to talk Ian. Hopefully Colin helped, but I got to talk Ian back down from C.J. Stroud plus for Anthony Richardson. Oh. Because that, that was the going rate last time I checked in. Um, wow. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> give me, uh, me C.J. Stroud there pretty comfortably. Um, well, I mean, I have, I have Anthony Richardson as my QB 10. C.J. Stroud is my QB 2. And I think there's a bigger gap between that. Uh, you know, two to ten there. So, Ian, you need to stop. Straight from Colin's mouth, you need to stop drinking whatever Grimm's drinking because you both drink from the same Kool-Aid. Don't know what it is. All right. <laughs> any more quarterbacks you want to touch on? Or, uh, Jacob, you have any quarterbacks you got want to kind of pick Colin's brain on? No, I mean, he pretty much mentioned the guys that I'll probably be targeting in our draft because, I mean, I did trade away C.J. Stroud at I did, and then um, what did also trade away lettuce? So yeah, and also yeah, you got. So now I've got Jaden Daniels. I've got Adrian Martinez. Who's the other one? I always forget about him. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, but it's not, <laughs> not good. It's not a great room right now on the college side. NFL hey, side. Some, so you got some guys in the supplemental here, though. You can add them to your roster, balance it out. All right. What are we off to next, Colin? I mean, we can hit the running back position next. Uh, I do think this one's probably a little bit – out of all the positions, this one's the weakest. Um, I think, you know, that signals that you guys hit pretty pretty good in the uh, startup draft with some of these running backs here. All right. Um, Guys, we don't suck. We don't suck. (laughs) Uh, The top guys that stand out to me um, are guys that are available – most leagues, honestly. So you, you know, you're looking at your Montreal Johnson uh, out of Florida, Izzy Abanaconda from Pitt, Kendry Miller, um, TCU, Jabari Small out of uh, Tennessee, Tavian Thomas, Utah, and then Audric Estime, Notre Dame, probably the top guys there. Estime gets that bump uh, just because of all the other injuries that have happened at the running back position, you know, Logan Diggs going down. Um, he's probably going to miss about half the year with that shoulder surgery. Um, Darian Price with the Achilles. So estimate gets a bump. If you're looking at it from a Debbie perspective, he's still pretty comfortably behind those other top five. But, yeah, I mean, at, at the top five there, I think all of those guys have some sort of a, a Debbie potential there. Guys that I could see maybe getting day two draft capital, which is what you'd be looking for, would really only be Montrell, Izzy, and then Kendry Miller. And um, do you want to talk about Montrell just a little bit? I'm, I'm not so sure a lot of people know about him or, or follow Louisiana football a lot. Sure. Yeah, Montrell Johnson uh, was a true freshman last year uh, at U- University of Louisiana. Louisiana has a system that – features a lot of running backs, uh, you know, as many as up to three at a time. You know, they had um, Trey Raggis there, uh, Raymond Campbell, or no, Raymond Calais, and then I always remember the, forget the third one. Um, Mitch, Mitchell. 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 Mitchell, yes. Thank you. Um, and then this year they had Montreal Johnson, Chris Smith, uh, and then Amani Bailey. So they kind of split that all up. But Montreal Johnson, um, you know, looked really good this year. He had almost 1,000 yards rushing. He had some really long breakaway touchdown runs. 
and then he follows Napier over to Florida. Florida, weak running back room, you know, DeMarcus Bowman just transferred out. They really only have, like, Naquan Wright, Lorenzo Lingard there, and Montreal Johnson. I think Montreal Johnson has a really safe floor for CFF. And then he's also got solid size, good production. And then if he continues that production in the SEC, you know, I, I think you could be looking at a guy who could go day two in the NFL. So he's, he would be my top guy there. How would you put – like, where would you take a – in this – in this draft, we got ten teams. Where are you kind of maybe looking? You know, you're you've got your team. You're crafting it. You want to get a Devi guy. Where where do you take a Montreal Johnson in, in this type with with yes. the incoming freshmen and whatnot that you have coming in? Yeah, so you got the the freshman coming in there, and there's some nice freshmen in this running back class. So he'd be behind, you know, a, at least the top. Five, six of those guys, you know, down into the, the Jamarian Millers, Javante Barnes, Jordan James range of guys. Uh, but and just in terms of rounds, I'd probably be looking at him in a ten team or maybe in the third to fourth. Uh, I'd probably take him maybe a little bit early if I need a running back, just given that this the running back uh, pool here is a little bit shallower. And and we've kind of touched on. A couple of the freshman running backs. Actually, I guess I'll, I'll I'll come back to the freshman just as a whole. We'll kind of go through each each section again. I mean, me and Jacob have talked about them, but sometimes it's just like, hey, mom and dad keep talking about these guys. Like sometimes it's, it's good to hear from other people too. So sometimes you don't want to listen to mom and dad. I get it. Yeah. So I'll let you determine who's mom and who's dad. <laughs> I would love to be invited back. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna insult either host here. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be mom. I'm sure I'm a better cook. <laughs> I'll be yeah, for sure, for sure. All right. What other running backs do you have that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, like I highlighted with Izzy Abanaconda from Pitt. Uh, I you know they bring uh, they lose Whipple the OC from last year. He's off to Nebraska, so they're bringing in Frank Signetti Jr. as a guy who's been there before. But he's a little bit more run-focused than uh, Whipple was. They also replace Kenny Pickett, who can throw the ball downfield, with Keaton Slovis, who can maybe throw the ball 10 yards. Um, They lose Jordan Addison. (laughs) They bring back all five starting offensive linemen. I think this is going to be a team that runs the ball a lot more. So I think Izzy Abanaconda can really get to show off what he has shown off in small spurts. He's looked good you know, in, in some carries here and there. I think he's going to get a heavier workload. Um, I think he's going to have a nice year this year. Then if you go a little bit further down the list, uh, you know, Jarquez Hunter is a guy that, you know, got some work with Tank Bigsby. He looked pretty good at times. Tank Bigsby kind of came back, and, and, you know, Jarquez Hunter started to fall off in terms of carries as the SEC schedule started to really heat up. But it doesn't mean he's not talented. Uh, You know, and a guy coming from Auburn, too, is uh, is a guy that the NFL could potentially like, and Tanks Big B leaves this year. Jarquez Hunter could have a full year at least to, uh, to himself in that backfield. Um, so those are probably those are two of the other guys that really stand out to me. What what did you what was your take this last year on Hunter versus Tank Bigsby? Because like I had Bigsby, I have Bigsby on a team, and I was like, all right, I'm starting him every week, and I could only start him on the cupcake games 
And even then, I was worried that he wouldn't play the whole game. And so he was like a terrifying person to put in my lineup. But, you know, he's this Devi guy that everyone, you know, talks about. And then Hunter comes in, he gets like half the carries and like, hey, I could like put him in flex every single week and be okay with five touches and he'll probably still produce for me. Yeah, I think part of that uh, comes with the expectations. You know, when you draft a Tanks Big B, you drafted him probably in the very end of the first round. So that type of a guy, you know, you want him to not only have Devi value, but you also want to be able to start him on some weeks. And like you said, you could start him on the cupcakes there, but he kind of was a little bit banged up at times. You know, nobody really said exactly what it was or, you know, he didn't really sit that much. So he kind of worked through it. I think that's part of the reason why he didn't show out quite as well. And then, you know, Auburn just in general is kind of in disarray right now. But I still think Bigsby is is a good bit better of a running back than Hunter. You know, Hunter looked good in, in early in the season. But like I said, as the SEC schedule started to kick up, he kind of faded a little bit down the stretch. Um, not necessarily his fault, Bigsby getting a little bit better. Uh, but Auburn also just as a whole, like I said, kind of in disarray. So I still like Bigsby. Um, I still think he's a good Debbie asset. But I think last year did show us that we need to kind of temper expectations for, for them for CFF, whereas Jarquez Hunter's a guy you, you probably picked up off the waiver wire. Um, most teams did. You know, lower expectations. You know, you were playing him in a flex as opposed to your starting running back. Um, so I think Jarquez Hunter is a guy that you could still play in the flex at times next year. But I don't know how comfortable I am starting either one of them because they're both just good enough to cannibalize each other. And, and something I'm just worried about is their their team isn't that great. Their offensive line isn't great. They're in the SEC. Nobody seems to want to play f- for their coach. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if – I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, but I actually think it's like a pretty good schedule where they can be like a, a 6-0. I think – I don't know when they play Penn State, but I think that's pretty early in the season. Yeah, week three or four, I think. But there's a chance they're like – They've got one loss or something, and I think these boosters just want to get him out. I can't remember their head coach's name. Parson. Parson. And it's just, I don't know, this toxic thing that I'm like, Bigsby's just going to have boxes against him, and he's not going to look that sexy um, kind of with his tape, I think, going into the um, combine. And hopefully he can, you know, explode there and, and show, show everyone what he's got. Yeah, I think he'll do well at the combine. So, what are your thoughts on, you kind of touched on him, was uh, Tavian Thomas, Utah running back? Um, what are your what are your Debbie thoughts on, on him? Uh, from a Debbie perspective, I think he's a little bit too limited of an athlete to really present a lot of Debbie value there. I think you're kind of looking at the same type of a player that Zach Moss was, you know, and you had some people hyping him up because he had nimble feet. You know, he caught some passes here and there. Um, he's a big guy, but just a limited athlete. And I think Tavian Thomas is in a similar mold there. Uh, I don't think he's going to blow up at the combine or anything like that. He's probably going to disappoint. He's probably going to hurt his stock. He's more of a day three guy. I think he'll get drafted. You know, and, and if he ends up in the situation where maybe he can be a 1B as a goal line type of a back, um, you know, maybe he has some value in the NFL, but from a Debbie perspective, I'm definitely lower on him than I've seen other people. 
Awesome. Jacob, any questions on any running backs? No, I, I agree with the Tavian Thomas portion. I, like he could have a really good college season, yeah. but I, I just, I haven't really seen it. And it seems like there's a lot of people that are really high on Tavian Thomas and a lot lower on guys like Zach Charbonnet, which I think is the polar opposite. Like yeah. I think he's going to go to the combine and blow it up. Yeah. You two, you two are just going to like make out over Zach Charbonnet. Like, I don't know if you know this, Jacob, but Colin is a big. Zach. I'm a big, I'm a big Charbonnet guy, so I like loves, that. loves him. So yeah, he's going to go and weigh in at two twenty plus, and he's going to mm-hmm. run four four, and yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, and he, I think he's going to have a big. He's going to get day one year. or day two draft capital if he does that and has a yeah. decent college year. I mean. So now you're looking, worst case scenario, you're looking at a Brian Robinson type situation? Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I think you're looking at, at a, a solid day two size speed guy. He's got a little bit of refinement that he needs to do in terms of, you know, his patience and his vision. But, you know, when you get him in space, he's good. He catches passes. Man, I like Charbonnet. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear there's another fan on the show. <laughs> All right, let's uh, hear some wide receivers. Yeah, the first wide receiver that stands out to me is Malik Neighbors. Um, everybody else on the list, wide receiver-wise, very standard as far as who's available and you know supplemental drafts across a lot of leagues. Uh, but Malik Neighbors is one that, that surprised me there. Uh, I saw him available in one other league that I was in, that I'm in, um, but it's not often that he's available. I mean, he looked good as a true freshman. Um, so at Campus to Canton, you know, uh, Austin, Nace, my co-host on the Campus to Canton podcast, uh, and then one of our other um, guys over there, Chris Moxley, that Luke mentioned a little bit earlier, they both, Austin had a theory called year one zero for wide receivers, and Chris Moxley kind of expanded on it. But basically that is, you know, there's some very, very low thresholds that you have to hit to not be a year one zero. It's like, I think it's like five catches, 100 yards, one touchdown, some kick returns, some rush yards. There's eight different check boxes. Um, Malik Neighbors hit seven of the eight. So, you know, didn't blow it up, but he looked very good. He contributed as a freshman. Um, and you're starting to hear some really good buzz from him in the spring. So I think Malik Neighbors is probably the first wide receiver on this list that I would go after. And... Um... For everyone, Malik Neighbors is a wide receiver at LSU. And then, Colin, can you talk to us a little bit about, like, year one zero and, like, okay, he hit seven of the eight, but what does that mean? He hit seven of the eight, so what? He That means he's a first-round draft pick? What does that What does that mean? What does seven of eight do? Um, yeah, so that's a great question. So year one zero was initially developed uh, by Austin as more of a weed out or a rule out than a rule in type of a thing, where if you were a year one zero and you hit zero of these categories, then we want nothing to do with you. You know, the only year one zeros to go on to successful NFL careers are the typical outliers that you think of, you know, your Julian Edelman, who played quarterback, your Tyreek Hill, who played running back, kind of guys along that, and then Jarvis Landry was one too. Uh, but other than that, there haven't been any successful year one zeros. Uh, even guys like Jamison Williams, uh, who did you know famously didn't really do anything at Ohio State, transferred to Alabama, blows up. He still wasn't a year one zero. So it's more to rule out players than it is to rule in. But 
as if you hit now Chris Moxley was the one who really expanded on this theory uh, if you hit I believe it was four or more your odds of success um, that's where you started to see a jump and so I, the fact that he hit more and I, and I think it was like finish like having at least one top 24 season or 36 season something like that in the NFL yeah yeah I believe wide shooter 24 was used as the cutoff awesome so just kind of wanted to educate the group on, on on that kind of theory that the campus Canton had been working on yeah um, but then beyond him you know there's a couple of other guys here that I, I like from a Devi perspective here. You got Isaiah Nayor, the transfer from Wyoming to Texas. Uh, it sounds like he's going to lead on the outside there. That whole offense, I think, is going to take a nice step forward this year with Quinn Ewers under center. Um, you know, they still have Worthy there, who's probably going to be the number one, but Nayor brings a completely different skill set. He's a big body guy. He's a good athlete, too. Um, he can win in the red zone. He can win jump balls. Uh, and Quinn Ewers likes to sling the rock. So if he can put together a nice year this year, I think the NFL is going to like him. Um, Jaden Reed from Michigan State is another guy that I, I like a lot too. Um, I thought he should have come out this year, um, but he didn't. He's going back, and you know he had a really nice year, Western Michigan his freshman year. Transfers to Michigan State. Now he had to sit out because uh, it was before the COVID waiver. Comes in and has a really nice year again. Um, you know, he returns punts, he returns kicks. He's dynamic with the ball in his hand. I, I think he's a guy that the NFL is going to like a lot. That you know, I haven't heard too many other analysts really um, start to hype up Jaden Reed, but I see him firmly as like a day two wide receiver next year. Dennis does not. Grim does not need to hear any of this. He's <laughs> he's about he's about Reed. Um, he he really wants him. He's trying to trade up in, in the drafts. I'm convinced to get this guy. Um, so we don't need any of that confirmation bias for, for Grimm. So let's move on to somebody else. Um, yeah, you got Cedric Tillman and A.T. Perry, I think two guys who are going to be in contention for you know leading the, the nation in receiving this year. Um, you know, I think they're dark horses to be like Bolitnikov type candidates. I think they're both going to be, uh, Cedric Tillman is going to be a senior bowl guy. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to work with A.T. Perry with his, the way the eligibility has kind of been working, yep. but assuming he's graduates, uh, he's another guy that I could see going to the senior bowl, you know, big statistical years. They're both big guys. Um, you know, they're going to put up a lot of numbers. I think they have an opportunity to impress at the senior bowl. Could be looking at some day two draft capital for them as well. So with A.T. Perry, um, do you have any concerns with Donovan Green coming back and, you know, eating into his his workload? Honestly, not really. Um, Wake Forest has supported, you know, multiple wide receivers before. Last year it was A.T. Perry and Ja'Kerry Roberson. Um, So even if, you know, Donovan Green comes in, I think he plays more in the Ja'Kerry Roberson role. It does a very different wide receiver from A.T. Perry. I think A.T. Perry is a pretty safe role in this offense. He can both he can be productive and Green can still get his. Now Green maybe limits that wide receiver one or dark horse Bolitnikov type of a guy that I was talking about before. You know, if Green comes back from that injury and looks really good, maybe he limits that side of things. But overall, I still think Perry's going to have a nice year this year. And again, still another, probably another senior bowl candidate. If I'm a Hartman quarterback owner... Like, 
First off, where do you think AD Perry goes in a supplemental? And then if I have Hartman, do I maybe try to reach just a little bit so I can have that stack in a season? Yeah, that stack is going to be nice. Um, I wouldn't mind reaching a little bit earlier, um, especially depending on where your draft slot is. You know, when I'm in the middle of a draft, uh, in the draft there, I'll usually reach for a guy just because it's a little bit longer between, you know, my pick to my next pick. Um, you know, if I'm at either one of the ends and I have a chance to double tap, maybe I'll get a little bit cute and try and wait till my second one around if it's a guy that I want. But um, with A.T. Perry, in a 10-team league, given some of these other guys that are available, um, he's probably looking at, you know, right around that same area as Montreal Johnson. You know, maybe third round-ish, um, towards the end of the third round, I think. Uh, that's probably where I would start looking at Perry. So what if I have a, let's see here. I'm trying to see here. and see if I start. What if I'm at 108 and 208 and, and I'm there? Would you maybe take him at 208 if I'm the Sam Hartman owner? If you are the Sam Hartman owner, you're sitting there at 208 and there's nobody else available that's, you know, you're like, I'm dying to have this guy. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking A.T. Perry at that spot. All right, you guys heard it. That's what Tweet's doing at 208. So everyone take A.T. Perry before Tweet gets him. He's not taking him at 108. No way. (laughs) Suck it, Tweet. (laughs) All right, any other uh, uh, wide receivers you want to talk about? Um, I mean, there's a couple other nice transfers in there. Kanata Mumfield, Mitchell Tinsley, both um, moving up to Power 5 schools. Both have like, good opportunities there. Um, but the other one that I would want to highlight um, probably would be Jaden Ballard at Ohio State. Now, Ohio State, crowded wide receiver room. Jaden Ballard was a year one zero, uh, But given how crowded that wide receiver room is, uh, and how new this theory is overall, I'm willing to give Jaden Ballard a little bit of wiggle room. It does sound like he's going to be competing with Julian Fleming um, for the last wide receiver spot for Ohio State. Uh, I expect both those guys to rotate a good amount, but Ballard brings something different that the other wide receivers on that roster don't right now, and that's the ability to really stretch the defense and take the top off. So I think he's going to earn more role that more work than Fleming will. Um, and we saw all three wide receivers last year for Ohio State show out well. Uh, and, you know, Jaden Ballard, being an Ohio State wide receiver, it takes one year to show out, and the NFL could love it. So yeah. that's a guy that I think is flying a little bit under the radar right now. Can Go ahead, Jay. That's kind, of, that's kind of where I'm at with Kanata Mumfield. It's like if he has a great year, he's now going to be an early declare. And yeah. you can get him in our supplemental draft, and it's like – that's best of both worlds. You know, if he gets draft capital and he's an early declare, proves that he can, you know, play in the league. So it's kind of exciting to see there, too. Yeah, absolutely. And with Addison gone, he's pretty clearly the wide receiver one. Yeah. And then you touched on Tinsley's name. I don't want to, you know, get grim, all hot and bothered, listen to this again. But, Colin, you are a Penn State fan. You want to talk a little bit about um, Tinsley coming to Penn State? Yeah, I was really excited at, at Penn State bringing Tinsley in. Uh, I think he brings something that you know we need at the wide receiver position. We have Parker Washington, uh, he's a pretty dynamic guy, but he mostly plays shorter, um, you know, kind of a slot yak type of a guy. 
Uh, we have the athlete in, in Keandre Lambert-Smith on the outside. Um, he can help stretch the field too. Mitchell Tinsley is more of your traditional X. You know, he can go up, he can get the ball. He's a good red zone threat too. Um, so I think he has a pretty secure role this year on the outside for Penn State. And I think Parker Washington is still going to be the wide receiver one there, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Mitchell Tinsley leads Penn State in touchdowns this year. All right, Grim, as the Sean Clifford owner, um, looks like you got your stack there with, with Tinsley. Where, where are you taking Tinsley at in this type of supplemental, Colin? Grim has uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith, too. Yeah, yeah, he sure does. Is he a Penn State fan? He, it's crazy. He says he's, he's an, an Iowa, Iowa fan. fan. <laughs> but, I mean, I will say he is an Iowa fan because he has, like, three Iowa quarterbacks on his roster. But if you have one, has. you're clearly an Iowa fan. I don't know. Yeah. He primarily drafts Big Ten players. So he's all about Jaden Reed. He's all about... Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, in a supplemental, I'm probably taking him... I'm taking him after Perry. Um, you know, probably taking him in the fourth round range there at that point. If, um, if he were to drop to the 13th round and you had 10 picks in the 13th round, would you take him? I would absolutely take him in a 13th round. Okay. I would probably trade all 10 of those picks to move up and to go get him if he's still sitting there. Move up to the 12th. Yeah, <laughs> you, you hear that? You hear that, Graham? He's he's doing shenanigans. Somehow this guy has got the whole thirteenth round on lockdown, and I just know he's going to take eight hours to pick each person, and it's just going to be the worst. I mean, granted, I'll be done by round six, so I don't care. But I, I mean, I kind of want to watch and see what players go. But it's just going to be oh, 10 Big Ten guys go right in a row. Oh, my gosh. Grim, if you need a list of some Big Ten guys, hit me up. I got you. (laughs) Is there uh, any other wide receivers you want to highlight here? From a Debbie perspective, um, the only other one that I would want to hit that's maybe a little bit under the radar there is um, Daniel Jackson at Minnesota. Grim, another Big Ten guy. Um, Minnesota struggled last year. They've struggled the past two years throwing the ball, um, but they really struggled last year. You know, Rashad Bateman's gone, Tyler Johnson was gone. You know, we expected Chris Altman Bell to step up and really be that guy, and just the whole offense struggled. But they bring back Siraka, uh, who they had before. I think I still want the wide receiver one on Minnesota. I think that's still going to be Chris Altman Bell this year, um, because you know PJ Fleck wide receivers. Uh, they, they just perform well. But when Chris Altman Bell leaves, I think Daniel Jackson is going to be the guy to step up there. So you're going to be a year early on Daniel Jackson. You're probably not going to be able to use him this year. But if you take him with an eye towards 2023, I think he's an intriguing option. And the NFL does like P.J. Fleck wide receivers. You know, We saw Tyler Johnson inexplicably, inexplicably kind of fell there. But you know, Rashad Bateman, first-round guy. Corey Davis was a first-round guy. Um you know, there were some other guys there too. So. I remember, right? I think Tyler Johnson. The issue was he didn't, he wouldn't run, and that was yeah, like, that was definitely part. That of was it. like a question mark for teams, so it yeah. felt. But like, I think it was the the way he said he wouldn't run to NFL teams is what kind of turned people off, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that definitely could be it. I mean, NFL teams are kind of picky about some things, but yeah, it was still pretty far for him to fall, given especially given the yeah. production he put up. Yeah, yeah. huge production. 
And you saying that, like, you know, you probably wouldn't be playing 2022. It's more of an eye for 2023. You haven't seen Grimm's team. Like, he might play. <laughs> if, you're, if you're loading up on Big Ten wide receivers, he, he might play for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Jacob, do you have any wide receivers you want to touch on or ask Colin about? Um, I mean, we can always do, like, Xavier Hutchinson. But he's on a team, isn't he? Yeah, he's. Oh my bad. Yeah, he's. I like Xavier Hutchinson too, though. Yeah. I can't remember. He's on Brett's team or Chad's team. One of the one of those two. I mean, really, outside of for running backs and wide receivers, there's. I'd, I'd probably be targeting more freshmen, just because even like Cedric Tillman's going to be awesome for your college production. But at the end of the day, he's going to. By the time he actually steps on the NFL field, he's probably going to be 24. Yeah. I mean, not not ideal for Debbie, but. The thing, the thing I like about Tillman is I think he's what six four two oh five something like that, and like he's two fifteen. Two fifteen, like he's a, I mean he's a big boy, and like, I mean I haven't watched like every snap, but on his highlights, which are you know your best plays, you'd like to think like he's roasting some Alabama corners. He's you know he's not really getting caught from behind. He's you know, I don't know. We talk about it here. Is it system? Is it player? Like he's been in the league or been in college for a while. Uh, Hubel comes over, and then hey, did he unlock him? Is it the system? Is it him? But like, I mean, he is beating corners and and doing those things, and he's a big he guy. Roasted Georgia. Yeah. So like, he had big games against like good teams, and he does a really good job of like kind of like the intermittent route, like the. Was it the curl route, like coming back to the ball, um, does really really well. Um, so I think, I think kind of like a wide receiver three in the NFL is kind of like maybe around like what he's what he's getting. But yeah, and we just saw Vels Jones go in the second, you know, and I think he's significantly better than Vels Jones on the same team. Yeah. Yep. Grim, big Bears fan, love the pick. I'm sure. So, got to help out that quarterback in fields with Phyllis Jones. I couldn't believe that pick. I'm sorry. Which which was which was the worst pick? That pick or Thornton uh, with New England? Thornton Thornton had an injury, and that's why he was a late declare. But like he broke out as a yeah. true sophomore. Yeah, he broke out as a sophomore. Thornton's electric. He's was the fastest player at the combine. I think definitely fastest wide yep. receiver. Yep. Um, Phyllis Jones, I. Bellis Jones, you want to talk about Cedric Tillman being old. Bellis Jones is old. I think he's 24, 25. Um, really just a special teams guy until this year. Um, he's quick, but that's really about it. I was surprised by Jones. Don't know what the Bears are doing. Don't know what they're, don't know what they're doing. Grimm says they're just clearing cap space. He's a cap guy. He's like, you know, next year. That's when they're getting all the wide receivers. They're going to get them in free agency. So. That when they're getting an offensive line too. Yep. They're going to clear that much cap. Yep. They're going to do it all. So, all right. Do you have any tight ends? The wasteland of tight ends. Yeah, there's actually a couple interesting tight ends here on this list. Um, Jaheim Bell, um, that tight end H back type of a role, kind of a Johnny Smith type guy. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about his CFF production just because they brought in Austin Stogner from Oklahoma. Oklahoma as well. He came with Spencer Rattler. Uh, but for just a Debbie purpose, I think he's really intriguing. 
Um, and then Gavin Bartholomew from Pitt, also an interesting guy. I think you know he's probably in line to be the number two uh, receiving option in that passing attack this year. It'll be low volume, but I think he's still going to put up some decent numbers. And then I think he's you know he's an athlete too. Uh, and Shimon Mete <laughs> Shimon Meteor, um, I could butcher that one, but uh, Austin will kill me if I don't mention him. That's his guy. Uh, big guy, athlete at Cincinnati. Probably not going to put up a ton of stats this year with Josh Wiley still there, but uh, you know, kind of along the lines of a 2023 play and a Debbie asset. I just picked him up in my supplemental. I think he was round four. It was around four or six. I picked him up in a 14-teamer, and I was pretty excited because I don't have much for tight ends. Yeah, um, tight end thins out quick. So I had Grant Katera, and that was, that was about it on, the, on that side. So, All right. Jacob, you have any questions on any tight ends? Oh, uh, Ben Urosek. No, I mean, ben Urosek. We've two that we've mentioned on here, and it's Malik Carr and then Ben Urosek. Um, those are just two other guys that are out there that you can go and get um, that I actually think they have heavy upside. So, Yeah, I can see it definitely for Eurosec there too. Malik Carr um, was definitely he's, – he's an athletic guy. So, you know, if he comes out, blows up the combine. I don't think you're looking at too much CFF production from him though. So that will be no. a bit of a downside. Whereas Ben Eurosec, you should get the CFF production. And then I think anything else, Devi-wise, you know, you're probably looking at – Maybe an early day three guy for your sec there. So I think he should get drafted and maybe carve out a role. Yep. All right. Well, that goes through like our upperclassmen. Kind of want to circle back around. Um, you want to give us some takes on some incoming freshmen, quarterbacks, then running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends? Yeah, absolutely. So the quarterback class this year um, – there's definitely some pieces that I like in this in this quarterback class. You know, top guy, Devin Brown, going to Ohio State. I think he's going to beat out um, Kyle McCord. Sorry, Matt Bruning, my uh, uh, other C2C guy there, uh, is a big Kyle McCord guy. But I think Devin Brown is the heir apparent uh, for C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. So but, what, alone. but what about Devin Rayola? He's coming there. He's so good. He's going to take over. 24. <laughs> But, 2024. You got to give him two years. Oh, okay. I just want to, you know, let tweet. <laughs> got to let tweet know, you know, hey, there's really good guys coming in, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, by the time Rayola gets there, Devin Brown, you know, will have started probably one full year. And then, you know, Rayola's good, but again, hard to, kind of the same situation as you were, is it's hard to unseat an incumbent. What? Um, what do you think the percentage chance is that McCord wins the job? And then do you think Devin Brown, with Rayla coming in, decides to transfer out? So I think it's probably like a 10% chance McCord wins that job. Um, you know, I like McCord. I think he's very, I think he's talented, but Devin Brown, I think, is more talented. Uh, I think he kind of fits a little bit better what Ohio State wants to do. Because uh, he could really push the ball downfield. So, but if McCord wins that job, yeah, Devin Brown should definitely transfer. You should look at, you know, McCord are probably going to start for two years. Rayola comes in, you know, you got a dip. He could start for 95, 98% of other teams in the country. 
Awesome. Awesome. All right. Who are some other uh, quarterbacks that are coming in that that you like? Uh, Penn State guy. So Drew Aller. I'm a big fan of Drew Aller. Uh, He's going to require a little bit of patience. The last two times we saw him uh, at the uh, All-American game and then in the spring game at Penn State, he was a little shaky, didn't really handle pressure too well. So he's going to have to develop that area. But he has all the tools that you're looking for and not really much competition uh, for when Sean Clifford leaves. So he's a big guy. He's a guy that I'm a big fan of. Kate Klubnick's a guy that I've been, that's been growing on me. I don't love him as a prospect. Uh, he's pretty polished. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not the most mobile guy, but I think there's a good chance that he ends up starting a game or two this year. And I'm not really a huge fan of Vizina either, the uh, five-star that Clemson has coming in in next year's class. So I think there's a good chance that he takes over that job and, and hangs on to it. Um, and then you got Ty Simpson, five-star, going to Alabama. You know, he's pretty raw, but you, anytime you can get an Alabama five-star quarterback, I think you got to do it. All right. I feel like Klubnik is like the, the value option almost. You know, like you can get him like maybe in the second round. Yeah, I've seen him fall in the second for sure. Yeah. And the, I don't know, like, that's the one interesting thing about this league is I, I haven't really evaluated other teams and who I think need quarterbacks. What I think and what they do are, are different things, but, you know, Clubnet could be this five-star quarterback that maybe he's there in the third, fourth round. Like, who, like, who knows with – you know, so, oh, ho, ho, ho. Don't don't show your hands. Like he has a floor. <laughs> That's the floor. If he's there, I'm definitely taking him. Um, we right. have one last guy that I just wanted to highlight: um, Nate Johnson uh, going to Utah. I mean, this dude is an athlete. He is a track star. He's fast. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I want to say we clocked him around 20 miles per hour. Um, 20, 21 miles per hour on his, some of his runs. So he is a true dual threat. Going to Utah, Utah's not a place that really brings in top QB talent. Don't think he's going to get recruited over. So when Cam Rising leaves, I think he's the next guy to step in there. So you're going to have to wait a year, but I think you could look at some really nice CFF production from Nate Johnson. Awesome. Let's talk about these running backs because – um, I think we talked about it a little bit in the group chat, but 2023 running backs aren't really kind of what you want. So if you need a running back, this is the year to get some of these freshman running backs, in in Jacob and I's opinion. Colin, what, what say you? 100% agree. This is the, definitely the year to get some running backs. The 2023 class, um, you know, that was something that uh, Austin and I were actually just talking about this week. So the 2023 class has four guys who are top 100 recruits. And then between RB4, who I think is like right around the 60s, um, in terms of overall prospect, to RB5, RB5 is 156. So there's almost a 100-spot difference between the RB4 and the RB5 in the class. So that just shows you you got four top guys, and then that's it. Whereas this class you got four top guys who I think are better than any of the four top guys in next year's class. You know, in this year, it's Nick Singleton, it's Jaden Blue, it's Branson Robinson, it's Travion, uh, or Trevante Citizen. But then even the, beyond that, you have some solid guys in this class. Um, you know, like I said, you got Jamari and Miller, 
Um, uh, Javante Barnes has been looking good at Oklahoma. He's been making some noise. Justin Williams, Tennessee. Jordan James. Um, and then, you know, you even get a little bit further. Your boy, Dawson Ginty. Um, you know, you got some Cortavius Norton in there, too. Uh, Ramon Brown going to Maryland. So you got a lot of options in this class. So I think this is a good class to go snag a running back in. And when you really thought that this was the norm, like there's all these like huge like size speed guys, that that is not true. Looking at 2023, so yeah, it seems like everybody in that class needs to gain 15, 20 pounds, like throughout yep. college. Right? Sometimes it's a lot to expect of a player, and then they still maintain their athleticism. Yeah, exactly. That's another th- key thing too. Is you can start to project some weight, but then are they going to maintain that athleticism? Whereas the guys in this class, uh, there's a lot of guys that are right at that 200 mark already, 205. So they don't even have to gain that much weight, but they also are carrying that much weight already. I think they're going to be able to maintain their athleticism. To me, you're just like checking off a box that you need to get to the NFL. Okay, well, I at least have that box checked as I draft yep. this player. I don't know. I like to project 15 pounds. I gained like 20 my first year in college. <laughs> so, I mean. Were you the same, were you the same athlete? I mean, pretty much. I mean, I have been known to be the Nicholas Singleton of, you know, my my class, so no big deal. I gained about 30 and quit working out. I'm <laughs> right there with you guys. But, Colin, an interesting name that you mentioned that if I'm going off a of 24-7 rankings, you said Jamarion Miller. That's an Alabama running back, but he isn't the highest rated Alabama running back, is he? a good point. No, he is not the uh, higher rated of the Alabama running backs, Emmanuel Henderson. Um, you know, Jacob was just talking about guys that need to gain weight in the 2023 class. That is Henderson in this class. You know, he was a 185 uh, listed on 24-7 when he came in. Now, I think Alabama has him up over 190 at this point. Um, so we'll see, you know, when we see him on the field, we'll see how he looks. Electric as an athlete, but this dude is more athlete than running back at this point. Needs a lot of development. And Alabama has been showing that they're not as patient as they used to be with the way the portal has been working. They're exploring the portal a little bit more. So I would be worried about Henderson. So if you guys are using 24-7 or on three arrivals, is kind of like your gauge. Like, hey, I'm ranking these. Like, hey, you might be leaving some value out there on the table and, you know, really kind of – you know, watch the tape if you can, um, but just kind of something to be aware of. There's, I mean, it's an Alabama running back. You got a good chance of probably getting drafted, but you know, Colin you just make it through there first. Yep, Colin mentioned a guy. You know, that's he thinks is better. That you know, twenty four seven. It isn't as high on. So right, but Miller's still a top ten back in the class. So still good in his own right. So. Just wanted to highlight that. So, what are some? What, what about uh? You mentioned my boy uh, Genty. So I need you guys to like calm down and not make me take him. Um, where where would you take Ashton Genty in a, in a league ten team league? Um, What's the last pick that you have? Six oh four. Six oh three. Six oh three. So I need you guys to like cool off on him. I really want him. Okay. Uh, no, Gene T is, is a guy, or Genty, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, yeah, Genty. He's, he's a guy who, new to football, um, you 
know, came over from Italy. You know, you did a great interview with uh, with him in, uh, uh, over at the, on the, our podcast network. So, you know, if anybody, if anybody in your league hasn't listened to that, that was a great interview. Thank you. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a guy, he needs to gain a little bit of weight. He needs to develop from a running back perspective. Um, but he's going to Boise, and I think he's going to have an opportunity to do that there. You know, they have George Halani in the way. But he's a very different player than Halani. I think he can earn some snaps this year. So if I'm looking at it from a 10-team league, I'm probably starting to look at him 6th, 7th round. Um, it's probably where I'm starting to look at him. All right, cool. Uh, what about um, a name you didn't mention that I am a fan of, and I think, Jacob, you too are a fan of, is um, Damian Martinez at... Oregon State. Oregon State seems to turn out NFL caliber running backs. Now, whether they do anything in the league is something different, but they are really productive in college. Can you, you talk a little bit about Damian Martinez? Yeah, Damian Martinez is a guy that, uh, you know, he's been rising throughout this whole spring for us over at, at C2C. You know, he's a guy that we talked about putting in, in our freshman supplemental guide. Um, we didn't end up putting him in, and that was definitely an oversight on our end because he has gotten on campus and done nothing but impress the staff. Uh, he's a bigger guy. He is already earning a good portion of that snap share. Um, Cover 3 does a summer school series where they just interview somebody talking about each team. The beat writer for Oregon State said if he had to pick one guy on that roster to, ru- to lead the, te- er, to the team in rushing, right now it would be Damian Martinez. So you're looking at potentially four years of production out of him. I think he's a little bit limited as an athlete, so I'm not sure exactly what that NFL ceiling is for him. Um, I think he's the type of guy that could definitely get drafted. He could definitely latch onto a roster. Will he be fantasy relevant for your NFL squad? I'm not entirely sure, but just getting drafted is honestly half the battle. So I think Damian Martinez is a guy that's definitely been rising up uh, a lot of people's boards. That sounds kind of in lockstep of what you think. Too, Jacob, you want, you want to yeah, share your I mean, thoughts? Jamar Jefferson had a great career at Oregon State, and their system likes to run the ball, so they're going to run the ball. He's a big guy. I think I believe you. I believe you guys clocked him at like over twenty-one miles an hour. So at least he has he has top end speed. So yeah. does that mean that he runs well in the forty, and then all of a sudden he's day two pick and gets some run? So yeah, no, I definitely like him and. Especially at the price, you know, you're not you're not spending a first round pick probably on Damian Martinez, but you, he could be a big boon for your rosters. Especially in a C two C league, like I said, you could get potentially four years of RB one. Well, fan, fantasy probably maybe RB two, just because you get some of those Mac guys. But yeah. um, oh, Oregon State RB one production, four years of that is worth something. All right, what about some wide receivers coming in? The wide receiver class is, I think, a little bit weaker than it is at running back. Um, But there's still definitely some intriguing guys. Top guy, pretty clearly, far and away, uh, is Luther Burden going to Missouri. Also, he's going to have an opportunity to get on the field right away at Missouri because that's a pretty barren depth chart. So pretty far and away, the wide receiver won there. But then there's a couple other guys. you got Keon Gray going to Ohio State. Ohio State just recruited three top 10 running or, uh, wide receivers in the 2023 class. I still wouldn't let that scare me off of Gray's, 
I think Graves brings a different role than Ennis Tate or uh, Noah Rogers, who were the three 2023 guys. And he brings a different role, a great skill set than, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka, who are expected to be on that roster next year. So I think he's going to slot into that wide receiver three role. He's already looked good um, in spring by reports. He's been doing a little bit of special teams work. Not going to do anything this year. Um, maybe he's not a wide receiver zero or a, a year one zero, but I, I think he's a guy that uh, I'm very intrigued by. Uh, and then another guy that I, I like a lot is Talon Shetron going to Oklahoma State. This dude just fits Oklahoma State wide receivers. You know, James yep. Washington, Tylen Wallace's. Yeah, Talon Shetron is just the next. Yeah, just yeah, he's just They're the like next the guy. Exact same size. Yep. Yeah, so I like Shetron a lot, too. So um, what about – we've got a couple people that um, are just like SEC for the win. Um, they Are there any Alabama wide receivers, Kentucky wide receivers, um, any Tennessee wide receivers coming in that, that you kind of wouldn't mind snagging up and kind of when you th- would think about taking them? So, out of the SEC guys, uh, Barry and Brown um, going to Kentucky would probably be my favorite of that group. Now, he's a little bit slender. Um, I think he's at like 175-ish pounds, so he'll need to put on a little bit, but he's very electric. Uh, I think he's going to be a pretty natural replacement for, well, Wandale Robinson, and then it's going to go to Tavian Robinson this year, I think, the transfer from Virginia Tech. But then I think Barry and Brown is going to step in right after that. But Barry Brown also has an opportunity to carve out a nice role this year. So I like Brown a lot. Bama brings in a lot of bodies this year. Uh, you know, you mentioned Isaiah Bond earlier. Um, they have Shaz Preston, who's a guy that I like. He would be my top guy on that list. Brings a little bit of a different skill set than what they have on the roster currently. Uh, but then they also have um, Aaron Anderson. And then it does sound like Kendrick Law is going to play wide receiver as well. And you have Kobe Prentice. So they bring in a lot of bodies. But there's nobody that I really that really stands out to me. Uh, you know, it's hard to go wrong taking a Bama wide receiver because if they hit, man, they skyrocket in value. But yep. I would exercise a little bit of caution with some of the Bama guys this year. And and we didn't touch on them, but I think Harold Tyler Harold might be available in our supplemental. Um, yep. How how high are you maybe looking to to grab him, Colin? Because he could be that you know. Take the top off the defense, and you know we saw what Jameson Williams was able to do with one year of production um, at the college level. Yeah, man, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, Tyler Harrell is one of the more interesting cases this offseason. He was I was at Louisville last year, and he had it was like twenty catches for for like five hundred some yards. Like his yards after uh, yards per catch were insane basically just took the top off the defense the entire time. I don't know how complete of a wide receiver he is. I don't know if he can do anything else. Now, does he need to do anything else at Bama? That's the question, because dude reportedly runs like a 4-3, like a high 4-2 in the 40. So he's electric. He's going to take the top off the defense. They're going to have to respect that speed. He's probably going to slot in on the outside the way things are sounding. So a starting Alabama wide receiver with that type of speed hard to ignore I just don't see a complete skill set at this point so it's I'm a little bit lower on him um, 
I'm probably not looking at him until after a good amount of the freshmen, after some of the other guys that we mentioned. So, like, maybe around in a 10-team league, maybe, like, round 8 or 9. But, I mean, I'm, I'm prepared to miss on that. Who would you rather have coming out of college? Tutu Atwell or, or Harold? <laughs> um, coming out of college, at the way it stands right now, I would prefer Harold because Harold can get that Bama bump. Um, Tutu Atwell also just tiny, tiny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Jacob, you got any other uh, wide receivers you want to touch on? My favorite, Adam Randall. No one's Ooh. gonna have a shot at him. No one's gonna have a shot at him. I have picks well, one, two. I have one, two, and three. <laughs> but then I'm just gonna take one of your three that you're taking. <laughs> Maybe he is I'll one of my three. Adam Randall for yours. Just <laughs> that's how bad you want him. Just straight up. I guess he's yeah. not. He's not starting in 2020. Three for you, right? Because you know, you know Manning's coming in. He's coming in. That's how bad I want him. I'm saying if you take Randall, then I'll just take yours. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he, you know, he's not going to start in 2023. You'll have to hear that from from yeah. tweet, and it'll be a whole thing. I don't think you want. It. I'll just take him. I don't want you to have to yeah. go through that. Generous guy. So, Colin, you talked about the year one zero stuff. Adam Randall is interesting because, you know, he tore his ACL. Does the year one zero include injuries? Uh, so it does not. That is the only exception um, is injuries. And But it does sound like Adam Randall is going to make it back at some point this year. Yeah, he's, I don't know what they put in the water at Clemson that makes these guys recover so quickly from these you know ligament tears, but sounds like he's going to be back, so he may avoid being a year one zero, even if we counted injuries. I think what Baltimore Ravens have a great opportunity to get a training staff from Clemson and bring them over there. I mean, or they could, like, not practice on, like, this all-dirt practice field. Like, I don't know, you make – NFL makes some money. They could do something there, but – that's what they need to do. They just need to go and take all Clemson's trainers and, and medicine, whatever they, they're doing. That's what that's Yeah, what they, they get something in the water. I don't know. So it's like, all right. Anyways, Jacob, anything you want to talk about more about Adam Randall? Uh, no, he was just kind of my wide receiver one early on in the process and never really changed. I just like one size. He's NFL ready. And then um, – He's really pretty diverse in terms of like his route running, and I saw him beat you know man coverage or press man coverage uh, on his huddle tape, I guess, and pretty fast, very athletic, and yeah, just that's my type of wide receiver in general. So, and J- Colin, like a little peek behind the curtain, Jacob and big wide receiver guy are like pretty much like yeah. like. <laughs> If yeah, big wide receiver likes a guy, I'm like, okay, Jacob probably likes this guy. Lockstep. You guys, you like bigger wide receivers too, big, faster. Yeah, just because if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take a swing on a wide receiver, I guess in the first round, why not give me the highest upside available? So it's true. That's kind of where I land with it, but I, I like Luther Burton a lot too. Um, a name that I didn't hear you talk about that was interesting in the wide receivers is 
any Texas A&M wide receiver. There are two five stars there with, is it Chris Marshall, right? And then um, Evan Stewart. Who do you prefer of the two, and and where would you kind of take them in in a supplemental 10-team draft? Uh, Evan Stewart pretty comfortably uh, had a Marshall for me. I know they're both five stars, uh, but Chris Marshall is very raw. Big, fast guy, definitely has a high ceiling, but he's newer to football. Um, I think he's—I think it was his junior year was his first year, uh, but he's, he's pretty raw. And I'm not—I'm not really sold on Jimbo's ability to develop wide receivers. That has been a point of contention recently over at Campus Decay. And Chris Moxley just put an article out highlighting, you know, that maybe Jimbo's not quite as bad as what we think, but I'm. You know, he's bringing in two five-star here, two five-star guys. If I'm going to bet on one of them, it's going to be Evan Stewart. I don't think they're both going to succeed. Um, Stewart is just an athlete. Stewart is, is very um, JoJo Earl-esque to me. Um, and then a couple other names that I wanted to bring up. That oh, I did- with, kind of where I'm at with the Texas A&M situation is, okay, I can kind of – Take those guys earlier on in the draft, or I can wait and just take like a Noah. Is it Noah Thomas, six five guy, like yeah. one eighty? Like, see if he yeah. can put on weight. But he brings a completely different dynamic to that position. So yeah. I don't know if I just take him late and see how things pan out. But yeah, a lot of times if you're you know stuck between guys and it's it's hard to to decide which one you want, the cheapest one. And Noah Rogers definitely the cheapest one out of those groups. Um, the other wide receivers I was going to mention, we've again talked on this podcast of you know systems versus talent. Well, TCU has a new coach come in. They like to sling the ball. They got a couple freshmen coming in. Do you can you talk talk about them a little bit, Colin? Yeah, absolutely. So DJ Allen is a guy that I'm higher on uh, as a wide receiver. We're higher on over at Camps to Canton than most other sites. Um, I think he's down in like the wide receiver, like 30s to 40s at uh, 24-7. So he's a little bit lower. But I think he's electric. Um, he kind of reminds me of <laughs> – it's a poor, it's a high-end comp, but he reminds me of a poor, end Antonio, or a poor man's Antonio Brown. Um, just the way that he shows some nuance in his route, just the way that he's able to beat receivers – uh, and he has uh, that wiggle, too, that uh, ground it. So I like D.J. Allen a lot. The other guy that they bring in, Jordan Hudson. Um, Jordan Hudson was committed to SMU, which is where TCU's new head coach is, uh, was, Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes leaves, goes to TCU. Jordan Hudson follows him. Um, he's a little bit more of a jump ball guy. He's definitely more of an outside guy. Um, Phil Steele actually has him projected as a starter at this point, which is kind of surprising to me. But he was on campus in the spring, so maybe he made a, a big impression there. I think QJ is still the guy to own this year, but you know, looking ahead, you could get some nice production out of Allen and Hudson. Um, and we don't have like a whole bunch of like deep college guys. We're just getting into it. Who's Phil Steele, and why do I care about who he's projecting? Yeah, so Phil Steele is a longtime college football writer. Um, he's one of the most tenured uh, writers out there. He used to come out with a, an, a magazine, a hard copy magazine. 
every year, but he basically talks to at least one person that's pretty connected on every single coaching staff in the country for all these teams and puts together this big magazine where he talks about you know the team outlook, projected depth chart, um, a lot of this kind of stuff, kind of like what we're the, the CFF guide that we're putting together um, is, is kind of in that vein. But Phil Steele has connections all across the league. So he's somebody that people pay a lot of attention to. And since we've got some Iowa State Cyclones fans, something that's interesting that's in his in his article is something about the backfield there in Iowa State. Can you touch upon that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, he actually has uh, incoming freshman Cartavius Norton uh, listed as the starting running back there, where a lot of other people right now are thinking it's going to be Jarrell Brock. Um, I think Brock probably gets first crack at it, but I think it's going to be hard for them to keep Cartavius Norton off the field. I like him a lot. Uh, he just he really fits what Iowa State wants in a running back. And when they find a guy, they're just going to ride him. So I think it's only a matter of time for Norton. I still yeah, like, yeah. I still think Brock gets a, the first crack at it, though. Yeah, and they've done that before, like when David Montgomery took over. And, I mean, if, if Jarrell Brock was the answer, we probably would have seen a lot more of him instead of Brees Hall getting every single carry, every single game, even when he was banged up. Yeah. I mean, he's probably not it. Yeah, I agree with that. And then – I was looking at their roster, and behind Hunter Decker is a quarterback I don't know about, but his name is Proc Birdie. Um, I don't know. It just seems to like flipped the first letters. I think he's coming back again. Does he have a mustache? Yeah, he's got a mustache. No one will recognize the guy. He said he, he Iowa State is paying him more in NIL money than the 49ers are for that Mr. Irrelevant pick. <laughs> Decided to come back. They could go get his brother, Chuba. Yeah. Where's he where's he currently at? Nebraska. 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 Yeah. Alright. Um I had one question from one of our um managers in the league. He was curious um, if you have skill set wise, you know, value wise, you have a wide receiver and a running back, and they're about the same. Which one are you going to pick in the C two C format? Um, our particular format, we start three wide receivers, two running backs, and five flex in a full point PPR league. Um, okay. So he's just kind of curious. Do you? Do I want to lean kind of heavy on the wide receivers, or do I take a running back, even though their shelf life isn't you know as much there in the NFL? I think that's a, a really nuanced question. I think it's going to depend on your roster construction, um, you know, kind of how the rest of the draft is shaken out. I usually like to pigeonhole myself into like one specific position, but in a vacuum. I'm probably looking more at the running back if I'm at between a coin flip. They're a little bit harder to come by sometimes, especially ones you know with NFL futures there. I think they're a little bit harder to come by, and running backs can really be the staple of a championship-winning team. So gun to my head, have to pick one position, I would lean running back. But like I said, I think there's a lot of nuance to it. And from a strategy standpoint, I mean, you've been playing C2C for, for a while now. What's the best way to attack tight end? It's this 
Like, it's this black box that no one seems to know, but hey, I had Michael Mayer. I'm like, dude's going to be a first-round draft pick. I know it. Well, then I get, you know, a great offer, take it, and it's like, well, like, sometimes I, you know, oh, I wish I wouldn't have taken it, but then, well, you know, how long am I going to have to wait on a tight end in the NFL? Um, my kind of standpoint is I'm just going to wait till they make it to the NFL and then I'll pay up for him. I went and bought TJ Hawkinson um, after selling him. So it's like kind of had buyers or sellers remorse and then go back and get him. What are, what are your thoughts with, with C2C and tight ends? Yeah, I think that's, that's the way to do it. Honestly, if you're looking for a tight end for your NFL side, just pay up and buy one that's already in the league. It's so hard to predict which college tight ends are going to transition to the NFL. Nobody really has a good handle on that. The only thing that we know is you want an uber athlete. Um, so, you know, you, RAS, the relative athletic score, is a system that was created by Ken Lee Platt as a math bomb on Twitter. Um, he's a website, too, that I, I use all the time. But uh, relative athletic score is basically a score out of 10, compares you um, to other players at your position uh, across, pretty sure it's all of time. Um, or at least as far back as they can find like combine testing numbers. Yep. But you want an elite rating in that. So that's above an 8.0. Um, those are the tight ends that will, those are your perennial tight end ones. Um, you know, Rob, Kel- uh, Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, those kinds of guys, Kyle Pitts. Um, so it's hard to know those things in college before you get the verified combine testing numbers. So for the tight end position, I'm very much a punt the tight end position. I will find guys late, uh, guys like a Joshua Simon. You know, he's a guy that I was scooping up last year late. He's definitely a guy I would target again this year too. Um, you know, guys later like Ryan Jones out of East Carolina. Um, he's a guy that I think is going to put up some production. You're going to get him in the last rounds of your startup, late rounds in a supplemental. Um George Takaks at a Boston College guy I think can put up some numbers. So basically, I'm just looking for dart throws. You know, I'll take roster, roster construction kind of comes into play there, um, but I will typically roster about five tight ends that mostly are for CFF production. Mm-hmm. Would you take Velas Jones over Jelani Woods? Jelani Woods was a 10 yeah. on the RAS. He was, but... Uh, <laughs> he was perfect. He was a perfect score on there. I don't like Velas Jones. I would probably... Uh, I'd probably take Jelani Woods. I don't like Velas Jones. There you go, Tweet. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm not a super confident answer there. Is the answer neither? Is that something I can take? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, that kind of wraps up what we got here today. So, Colin, appreciate you gracing us with your presence for almost two hours to to talk to to our league and help us with our supplemental and help us not suck. Brandon was on. He made it sound like we kind of sucked. He was like, hey, you could like – I could just draft. I could make my own team. And I would probably compete for a championship year one. 
you made it sound like, hey, we kind of got the Devi guys, so we did pretty pretty good. Yeah. So so thanks for Debbie making us guys. feel great. The running back position two is pretty picked clean. Um, what are some? I know I talked about it in the beginning, but where can people find you? What are some things you're working on? What are some things that Campus to Canton is you know working on? Yeah, um, so you can find all of my work at Campus to Canton uh, com uh, or at C two C Decker on Twitter. This is really the only two places you can find my work publicly. I'm pretty active in the Discord that we have at the website too, uh, but always feel free to reach out Discord or on Twitter DMs. Uh, more than happy to just talk ball, but um, I'm not really working on anything particular right now. I'm working on uh, a, a, an article that kind of analyzes some draft trends, um, and I'm trying my hand at model building. Uh, so we're going to see how that goes. I'm getting a lot of help from uh, from some smart guys over at CTC. But CTC as a whole, uh, we're about to release the CFF guide. That's coming out next week. Uh, we released the Debbie guide at the beginning of June. We have the, C- uh, the C2C supplemental and freshman guide. That came out back in March. Those three guides were our big off-season projects. But we're going to have some in-season stuff too, you know, weekly articles, waiver wire pickups um, for your C2C leagues, for CFF. You know, we're going to have weekly shows uh, every Saturday morning, you know, who to start, who to sit. Uh, this is going to be on our YouTube channel. So you can check out all of our stuff there. And then with that, who to start, who to sit, is there like, do you have anything that's kind of like a like a recap of the day? Do you do that on Sundays or any anything? Yeah, so, yeah we're going to do that on, on Saturday nights. Um, so Saturday morning, we're going to have a live YouTube show. Uh, before the games kick off, highlighting you know some start sits, highlighting some um, some DFS plays if anybody plays DFS. Just talking a little bit about some of the games that will be that day, and then at night um, we're going to come back after the uh, after the primetime game, recap how the day went, um, some early guys to target and look at for your waiver wire, um, and just kind of talk some ball. All right, and, and will that be in podcast form or just on YouTube? Last year we released it as a podcast, uh, I believe, so I think we'll, we would probably do that again this year, um, but that's actually not a question that we uh, we have a definitive answer to, but it'll definitely be live on the YouTube channel. All right, awesome. Well, hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, we're doing this Wednesday night. I'll try to get it out there for, for you guys to have on Thursday. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a great 4th of July. Keep all of your digits. We don't want any Pierre Pauls. I want. I don't want to have to you know, set any of your guys' lineups. Um, quick hitter before we go, because I just thought about it, Colin. Thoughts on fan tracks making the substitution um, rule their um, ability in, in fan tracks. Yeah, that's huge. Um, honestly, that is huge for... The accessibility of CFF and for C2C leagues too is just because it's so hard to know who's going to start. And you know, you started a guy, and then all of a sudden it's 10 minutes into the first quarter, and you're like, Where is he? Oh, he's over there in street clothes. I had no idea he was going to sit. Um, so that was something that was really frustrating for a lot of people. So I think that was a really smart move on their part, and something that, like I said, it lowers one of the fr- biggest frustrating factors for CFF. Glad we voted on it, Jacob.
Glad we voted on it. I'm just saying. Um, it, does, like, it does change scoring, so I don't know why you wouldn't just want to make it official. Everybody voted for it. I was just like, I was just, I was being a tyrant. I was like, we're just going to do this. We're going to do it. And then I was like, I know what the league wants. Jacob pounded his fist. He said, let the people decide, you know, who are you? And I said, I'm the king. And, and, and uh, we, we voted for it. It passed. Um, I'm doing a little bit of a, you know, Midwest goodbye. We started going out. Now we're coming back in. I had another topic that we are going to be discussing in our in our league so i'd like to get this on the record we do two waiver wire pickups during the year after week four and week eight what are your thoughts of weekly pickups or three pickups a year or hey you just get this many pickups use them whenever you want that's all you get what are your what are your thoughts or leagues that you've played in yeah so I like unlimited waivers personally. Um, now, if that is something that you know you have to be constantly checking on, uh, you know who who from the MAC broke out this week, you know what running back went down, who do I have to go pick the, uh, the backup up for? It's it's like NFL waivers on steroids. So I get not that that can be definitely uh, a little intimidating. Um, so I get dialing that back. Uh, I would be more on the side of giving people a set number of pickups, maybe four or five, that they can use at any point in time. I don't like restricting it to specific weeks, um, just because that kind of creates a disadvantage for people who are actively looking into some of these players, you know, a little bit deeper than uh, the average person. So. You can still, if you have five waiver pickups, you can use whenever. You can still be first to a player. All right. Hey, I appreciate that. So I'll try getting out of here again. So, hey, have a good rest of your work week, guys. I am Luke Probasco. Jacob Belleville. Colin Decker. And thanks and have a good week. Bye.